My name is Kebohem, and this is Epiphany. Amata meiva Kebohem nialojava akatahengi. Twenty Porokol, eighteen sixty-five. Aneti had breakfast at home with Lur family. Lee left early and paused at the steps of Lur family home, cupping Lur hand under Lur mouth while Lee ate the last bites of a filled meat pastry. The way the sunlight hit Lim reminded me of a few lines of a poem I read last year by Akah Layongi Karodane. This is the first river in the cosmos, seeing you lying there in the dappled sun. The morning light cascades between your golden breasts like the first rivers from which Enachiavoshe crawled out. Today is a Sabaji holiday. The lines of that erotic poem are wholly inappropriate considering that fresh henna covered Aneti's arms from the household rituals. It chipped and caked as Lur arms bent, in fact. A collection of cousins, uncles, and aunts came out of the house just as Lee finished eating. All wore white tunics under purple stolas, nothing embroidered. The women had double-bound their hair beautifully, covered with simple headbands. The men wore single-bound buns and elaborate face paint. Four who could have been women or jamela wore their hair double-bound and unadorned. Someone in the crowd looked at me once. I recognized one of Aneti's cousins, a person whom I'd seen one or two times in their home. Lee did not recognize me. Liga would have hated this. I would have messaged Desuros about it had I not been wholly certain that Liga would have coerced Desuros into telling me no. The wall screen messages stopped this morning, incidentally. Liga hasn't contacted me via comm band, nor has Lee inserted himself into messages between Sukha and me. Perhaps the Kuginya want Lim to take a break? Sukha revealed when we spoke last night that the most trying thing about Lur father being in the Kuginya is the anxiety Liga has for Lur daughter's future. I understand it. But why couldn't they have assigned someone else after the initial contact? Someone's at fault. Aneti alone wore a small backpack. Lee walked with Lur thumbs tucked up under the straps, but lowered Lur arms before the group passed one of Anachisha's temples. I followed at a distance. Staying unseen wasn't hard in the crowd. Everyone swelled around the temple's left side. Anachisha and Zamanok, of course, we consider the same god, but... Knowing how to worship Zemanok did not prepare me to wander into the temple precinct's amphitheater with the others to watch a religious performance. Almost everyone wore the same white and purple uniform regardless of class. I stood out. According to the Galasu Knowledge Foundation, the Ineji sect prefers these colors during formal temple worship. Stolas are a Galasuhi Ineji phenomenon, Outside of the Galasuhi areas, the Ineji Shiji wear their hair loose like mourners during worship, and they wear purple tunics with white sashes. The white sashes contain embroidered sacred verses, usually stitched together by the wearer a year after, a year before Lee reaches adulthood, something like that. It's similar to the practice in Amur or Kakmeje. I found others who did not look Ineji, and I sat with them towards the back. The religious ritual looked nothing like the sacrifices I've attended in the city center. I think that the sabaji around me were tourists because one of them took several dozen covert photos. 
Two dancers on the stage whirled around and clicked wooden sticks together while a priestess and a priest incanted. Thirteen children carried offerings down the center aisle and burned them in a great fire. When the chanting started, I could hardly hear my own voice. It was in Old Dveshi, so that's just as well. I stumbled through even recognizing any of the chants, let alone the words. Most people left after the ceremonies. Outside of the precinct, several Aneji passed out documents about lectures from their philosophers, topics neatly printed on thick cards. Anethi kissed their relatives goodbye and made their way down the road alone. Again, I followed them without drawing much attention to myself. We ran into a procession from the Hadiji Galasuhi. A man with light hair met Anethi towards the crowd's edge. They kissed and I gritted my teeth. I remembered to duck underneath a cafe awning so they wouldn't have a good look at me. I took three quick photos of Anethi and Lur Associate. When Anethi turned abruptly, I wondered if either of them had noticed me. Neither said a word. They walked away from the festivities. I blended in with some Karoji philosophers walking in the same direction. We all walked towards one of the bridges. The man handed Anethi a file folder and left limb. As soon as Anethi crossed the bridge, Lee left the path to sit on some benches along the creekside park. Lee opened the documents delicately. I lost cover because the Karoji philosophers also went to the park. They opened a picnic basket near some young children playing games with wooden balls. I looped around until I found a tree that would give me a good vantage point. When I zoomed in with my camera, I saw a symbol at the top of the documents that I didn't recognize. I uploaded the photographs to my smart paper just in case Liga is checking it, but otherwise Liga has no context for any of this. We'll have to call and ask. Anethi annotated the documents as Lee leafed through them. Lee shredded most of the original papers into tiny pieces and went down to the water, where Lee discarded them before leaving the park. I scrambled to follow them out. A group of worshippers stopped me. They were chanting and carrying a deity statue, and one of them adorned me with flowers. I allowed this because I didn't want to cause a scene, so I now have the blessings of a god I don't even know. Anethi walked to a residential building about six blocks from the park. It was small, about the size of Advisor Tenes Sadi's home, so the family was small. They let Anethi in, and I watched outside until the prickling at the back of my neck drove me to doubt. Then I left. Back at the park, I looked for fragments of those documents near the water. The pieces I recovered were so waterlogged that I couldn't make anything out. I don't know what I could say to Liga on vid other than that I know an address where Anethi probably meets with Lurk co-conspirators. Unless that was benign house call and the only daybreak-related occurrence was the document handoff. The intimacy that man shared with Anethi makes me very uncomfortable. I don't know that it's my place to feel uncomfortable. I mean, you know, we're dating. It's not like it's anything official. They may have emotional connections because they're in the same daybreak cell. Anethi is already betraying the progressive movement in their family, so what good is it to feel jealous for their other duplicities? I mean, I'm seeing Kitasrati, and I haven't told Anethi anything. Anethi is a temporary love interest involved in an assassination plot. Kitasrati is not a yi. Lee has an interest in politics, and my family obviously can afford the bride price for taking a daughter from another family. It's horrible to be alone. To work out one's thoughts without others in this way. 
to have no training to stop a maelstrom of doubts. When I betray Anethi, who is to say that a second relationship falling apart won't deter Kitasrati from pursuing me, especially if my involvement goes public? Am I strong enough to do what Sukha has done? That's a relationship with clear yatoma. It's different when one family must pay a bride price. How am I supposed to navigate a current in complete darkness? Do I trust myself enough to feel the rocks beneath my feet and understand the way the water pulls me? I have ambition. But is ambition the same thing as resolve? You have been listening to Epiphany by KBOM. For a text version, cultural notes, and to subscribe via RSS, please visit http colon slash slash kayeboesme.com slash epiphany.